And dispatch goes, okay, what's your speed? I'm like, um, 55. I look down at my speedometer. <laughs> I'm not doing 55. They're like, okay. So we fly past the, the next major intersection, which now is the city. But there's people outside in the bar, and they're all like, woo, go get them, go get them. You know, so we, fly, we fly past, and uh, this guy's not slowing down at all. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be bad. <laughs> Welcome to episode 15. My buddy Nelson sitting in again. Woohoo! What's up, Nelson? Not much, Mike. How are you? I'm good, brother. How thanks you doing? Thanks for having me again. Yeah, Been thanks good. a lot for stepping up, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, oh, it's glad to good help. to know. Yeah, this was a team thing I, I started, and I wanted a bunch of us to get involved, and you have been one of the main contributors, so I really appreciate you stepping in, man. It means a lot. All right, so it's very late by you, right? It is. It's midnight. It's past midnight. Right, it's past midnight. It's a Sunday night. You just drove three hours home from work. So let's just jump off, and uh, you can tell me how your week was. Uh, for the most part, the week was uneventful. been working on some cases, if you remember that vessel that was on fire. We're still yeah. investigating that. Okay. And uh, you said you had a lead in that one, right? Yeah. We're cracking it. What else? Had a couple of nuisance calls for coyotes in the commercial area, and uh, we set out some traps. We actually had one of our somebody grabbed our traps and chunked it into a pond. Really, someone that doesn't want a coyote caught, they'd rather sure. their animal gets eaten or some innocent person gets bitten than the coyote get trapped and re-released into the wild somewhere else. Yeah. So, is that what you do? Yeah, uh, or we um, properly dispose of them. Oh, maybe that's they didn't want the disposal part to take place. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Someone's a big fan of the coyotes. Yeah, I would be too. But, I mean, they look like dogs, and they, they're puppies, and it's... Were they small ones? Some of them are, yeah. Okay. So it's... Um, but it, if you think about how... How much they could damage the ecosystem in that area, uh, and then if you later on during hunting season, you know the, they hunt down the the deers and stuff like that, or they become a safety concern to the hunters. There's okay. like a lot big picture things. Um, so they're real close to the commercial side, commercial property. So oh. we get a lot of calls okay. for that. So that's Kept us busy a couple of days. Uh, we've been checking crabbing and fishing uh, out on the water. And today we had a, made a call for a disabled vessel. Uh, we helped the Coast Guard lo locate, um, try to locate the disabled vessel after a couple of hours of doing various search patterns, negative results. So, um, so yeah, that, that was, that was my week. Um, a lot of enforcement on the water, but nothing too, too exciting. Uh, a lot of administrative work on my part. Sergeant. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. 
So you said you couldn't locate, your guys didn't locate the vessel today? Well, that was a different one. No, the picture oh, sent okay. you earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get to that one. Okay. Um, so Maryland State Natural Resources Police couldn't they called off their search for that vessel first and then we pulled off and then the Coast Guard just canceled the entire search. Because we oh. didn't have not much information to go off. So Okay. It's possible that there were kids playing on the radio. Like a made oh, Mayday, maybe. That's not good. The way it came out was they came out on a marine channel and said, hey, we're disabled. This is our location. Okay. And But no description of the vessel, no actual Boat name or number. Coordinates. Okay. Right. So, you know, we sent out assets out there looking for it. Right. And we couldn't. Did you get a lot of those? That's not embarrassing. No, no. What I'm about to tell you is embarrassing. So okay. there's an island, and we thought, I'm looking through the binos, and I'm, I was like, hey, I think it's right there, ashore. So I hand the binoculars to my to my partner, and he, he goes, yeah, that, look, that looks like a boat. State police shows up, and they're like, yeah. He goes, I could get close to that boat. He goes out there, driftwood. Oh, get out of town. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, I could have swore it looked like... All the three of us were like, that looked like a freaking boat from from where we were. That's pretty like, funny. Yeah. So I, <laughs> so after that, I second-guessed every single thing I spotted. <laughs> yeah. Driftwood or a body. Yeah. Not a boat. Yeah. Could be a body. Could be a piece of wood. Yeah. I I see you're wearing your shirt, which I ordered one from you. I know. So I, I gotta follow up with the with the vendor. I don't make okay. them myself, so. No, I, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an update. <laughs> just, I just wonder because I really like that one. I don't know what color I ordered, black or the blue, but this I is like the that blue one. one. Yeah, that's sharp. So if somebody wants to order a shirt from you, where can they get one? Not Let's yet. do some I'll, selling. I'll, I'll announce it. I, I I'm uh, so behind. I'm okay. Not gonna, Disregard asking Nelson. Just send me a shirt. DM and I'll just send me a DM on Instagram and at CWL, CWL workshop. workshop. Okay. And we we could go go forward. from there. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't have any shirts. I've got some leftover Midnight Handyman shirts. If anybody wants one, I think I got two X, extra large. I got a couple females shirts. The logo's old. But the shirts are nice, so if anybody wants one, you can DM me as well. All right, so I got some work stuff because it's been quite a while since we recorded our last episode, so I've worked a number of days. So I'll just go over some highlights there. And first, I wanted to tell you that um, when you were reach- or talking about the Coyote, uh, a buddy of mine the other night, right at the beginning of the shift, maybe an hour in, he's driving on one of our main streets, and some woman comes running out to the street, like frantically waving waving him down. He doesn't call it in, which he should, you know, hey, I have a hand waver. He just goes up to her and she's like, officer, I just saw a coyote. He's like, yeah, yeah, they live right over there because they live right by the rail yard at foxes and coyotes. He's like, just, you know, don't approach them. Keep your dogs in. And I don't know what else to tell you because I can't arrest them or anything. We don't have animal control. 
Cook County has animal control, but they never come out for us because they're too busy. So, uh, but I'm just like, what are you doing, man? What if that was an emergency? Should have eating ice cream if you saw the Roadrunner or anything. <laughs> no, beep beep. No, <laughs> none of that. Uh, yeah, he was being chased by. Uh, he had a rocket with him, and he was chasing some Roadrunner. All right, so let's see. We had uh, on Friday, I think a week ago, Friday, not this Friday. We got a uh, third-party caller. So this is when someone sticks their nose in someone else's business and they have you go to check on somebody. So a uh, third-party calling stating his girlfriend's ex-boyfriend, whom she lives with, um, was at her bar, and she didn't want him there, and then she was afraid that he would throw all of her shit away when she's at work. She didn't want him removed. So we're like, what the F do you want us to? So anyways, we have to go over there. She's not the complainant. So I tell my partner, it was his call. I said, if we walk in there and she doesn't wave us down, we're just going to go away, right? We don't, I'm not going to search her out and see what's going on. But anyways, as soon as we walk in the door, she's like, oh, she waves to us. I'm like, God damn it. Now she's (laughs) going to come over here and talk to us. So I'm like, what's going on? She's like, oh. My boyfriend's here. Wait, my old boyfriend's here, and my new boyfriend called because he, my old boyfriend, I think he's going to throw all my shit out. I'm like, all right, where do you live? And then she tells us it's not our town. It's her town. She's like a town over. I said, all right, well, first of all, we can't help you with that. That's a, you know, that's a, out of our jurisdiction. Second of all, this guy lives with you? She's like, yeah, well, we're still roommates even though we don't date anymore. I'm like, uh all right, you got too much of a problem going on. We don't want to get involved with any of this stuff. It's a civil matter. We can't help you. And we must have spent, I don't know, 30 minutes there on a, something that we couldn't help her with because it wasn't, it's not a police matter. Unfortunately, she doesn't know what to do. I'm like, you got to get him evicted. You got to call the county. You got to start all that bullshit. So that was uh, how our night started out. And usually on Fridays and Saturdays, we're, we're pretty busy. So that that wasn't that that was a good call to go to because it took up some time and it didn't involve anything dangerous. You know, we did, we got rid of her. And then, uh, we got a call at the jumper hotel where everyone likes to jump out of windows. went there, nothing was wrong. And then, uh, I had this call for this guy, uh, an elderly black man walking around a strip mall, muttering to himself. We have a homeless, you know, problem out by us because the city is so close. So, I cruise over there, and this he's got to be in his 70s maybe, and he's disheveled, you know, and he's muttering to himself. And I'd seen him before. I think I had him in front of the Wendy's one night, and I tried to get him a meal. But he he's kind of nice, but then he gets really, like, vulgar and mean. So I pull up, and I got my gloves on because in case I got to fight somebody, I want you know, protect myself. And as soon as I get out of the car, he's like, oh, man, look at this. Look at this man. He's got his gloves on. And I'm like, relax. I'm not. I just don't want to touch something that's going to be bad for me. And he's like, man, I, I'm not going to be bad for you. And he's just walking back and forth. And I said, uh, hey, when was the last time you had something to eat, you know? And he's like, I don't need anything to eat. And I said, okay. Would you like some water or something? I don't need any water. I don't need any help. Unless you want to give me a ride. I'm like, oh, perfect. I'll give you a ride right out of town. Where do you want to go? <laughs> want to go to the train station? 
And uh, we have a train station in the city north of us that goes into the city. She's like, yeah, take me to the blue line. I'm like, all right. So I don't search him because I don't want to get near him because he smells so bad. I kind of do a soft pat down. But he's wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and he's urinated himself. So I'm pretty sure there's not a weapon in there because if there was, it'd be rusted. It wouldn't work anyways. So I put him in my car, and uh, he was a sweet guy, but he wouldn't let me get him any lunch. But I, I didn't want to offend him. I had my window open like halfway, and I had to open all the other windows in the squad. I should have put them all the way down because I could. I was gagging. It smelled so bad. I didn't want to embarrass him by putting the windows down more. So I just asked him, I'm like, hey, man, you all right back there? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm like, oh, okay. You don't mind the wind? No. I'm like, okay. I wanted to just blast him. But I got him to the station, and it's always funny when you pull up at the train station in a police car because everyone's looking at you. You know, like, what, what are they doing here? Then you get out, and I open the door. And he just gets out of the car, and he doesn't even say thank you or anything. just fucking walks off. I'm like, bye. You're welcome. And I'm like, poor old guy. So I'm, I'm, hoping, he's, I'm hoping he's okay. So I'm on my way back to town because I'm out of town. And our dispatch, of course, gives me a 911 call, me and my partner, when we're nowhere around the source of the call. Uh, sometimes, Nelson, I don't know what these dispatchers are thinking. If they're listening, I love them. I just don't get it sometimes. They don't think very much. I think they, I think from sometimes it's difficult to keep track of where all four officers. <laughs> yeah, I can like, see how that might be an issue. Like uh, one of those things is like available unit. Well, right. Yeah. You, you just, just wait for that guy to just keep. Okay. Nobody's answering. <laughs> yeah. See, I, we don't, I was watching Southland as I've discussed in the past recently, and they, and I don't know if LAPD does that, but if everyone's thrown in one beat, and then they always look for a unit, right? Available unit to take whatever. And in the show, they're always going, hey, let's buy that. Let's take that one. We don't, we don't have that option. They just tell us, so, call us on our beats. I may be talking out of terms since I'm not LAPD, but I was an <laughs> LAPD explorer, and I do right. have a couple of friends that, there are still LAPD, and the, from my understanding is everything goes in like a priority call okay. on, on the CAD. So in the MDT, they get to choose depending on the priority call. Okay. Hot priority, so a priority one, everybody goes. Right. Okay. So it's not the type of calls that you get dispatched to. They just uh, type it in on the MDT and it goes straight to the, and then you get to pick from there. Oh, okay. So it's not an actual dispatch. They're not dispatched to, let's say like, we have a suspicious person, blah, 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 whatever. That You get dispatched, you, you respond to it. But there okay. might be a, a teletype that says, hey, reporting parties saying there's a noise complaint or there's a, like a follow up to something else where it's not, Pressing, you respond to it. Okay. So yeah. So yeah. Our our dispatchers, they just know we're we're in. We call it a zone, but you know, Brandon calls it a beat. 
We each get a zone. Uh, you ever watch LAPD Life on the Beat? I never, never did. Oh, it's a great. Cops. Is it good? It's, it's a reality show. Yeah, it's live. Like, like it's like but cops. Okay. It's, yeah. Is it still on? Oh no, they it, it okay. only lasted like a couple seasons. All right, but it's yeah. probably on one of the streaming services, maybe. Right? It should be. It should be. I'll have to check it out. So, that was Friday, pretty uneventful. I always get psyched out, like when the weekend comes up. I never want to work weekends, and then I get all freaked out that's going to be so busy. And then some nights, eh, not so bad. So Friday, not so bad. Saturday, we get a call of a female who's vomiting from taking ecstasy the night before. I'm like, oh. So it wasn't my call, but I went anyways because I like to make fun of people. So I walked in the hotel, <laughs> and my guys were upstairs with the paramedics, and I, you know, I looked at the front desk. I'm like, hey, where, where's, where are they at? And she told us, and I said, don't forget, people, drugs are bad. And then her friend came out of the elevator as I was saying that, and I go, where, where are you coming from? And she told me, she's like, that's my girlfriend. I go, oh, the one that was doing ecstasy yesterday? She didn't want to say anything. I'm like, it's yesterday. We didn't get in trouble. But so this girl's just violently vomiting in the ambulance because, and I don't, I'm just sitting outside the ambulance, to, you know, talking to the paramedics because now they have to deal with her. And I can't believe that, I don't know, I don't do drugs. I never did drugs. But can someone please explain to me why that seems like a good time? taking ecstasy and then throwing up for a day or even taking drugs. I don't know. So we made, I, I just got to, a chance to make fun of her. And then, and then I got in a couple chases after that. Maybe it was just an allergic reaction. May, yeah, maybe <laughs> to, to ecstasy. Yeah. All right. So we get a call to help EMS for a psyche fail, assist EMS psyche fail. And it's with the family who's a horseshit family we've been dealing with. Their son is a car thief. He's in jail now because he stole four cars. He stole a car, got arrested. I found a car he stole. We towed that car. They had him on video. They finally arrest him. He gets arrested. He bonds out. When he bonds out, he steals a car from down the street right after he bonded out to come home. He stole a car to come home. So finally, he's back in jail. The mom calls us because her other kid, 16-year-old, Needs a psyche eval. He doesn't call us. She calls an ambulance. Ambulance always requests police presence. That's our policy. So we get there, and the mom's outside, and she's saying, he's barricaded himself in the house, and he says he's going to stab us if we go in. I'm like, okay. So we're trying to make contact with him, and my two partners are on the uh, east side of the building knocking on the door. I'm on the west side, and he comes out. I'm like, hey, man, come over here. He's like, what's up? <laughs> I go, put your hands up. Let me just check you for a weapon. He goes, I don't have a weapon. I just got in an argument with my mom, and now she's, you know, all pissed off. I go, can you do me a favor, man? I need you to just go in the ambulance. Mind you, I shouldn't be speaking to him. This is an EMS call, not a police call. We're just supposed to stand by, right? You're a social worker now, Mike. Yeah, I know. Well, apparently I'm an EMS guy, too, because EMS is just standing, like, right behind us. And they're not doing anything. They're not talking to him. They're not, like, walking up to him. They're not trying to get him in the ambulance. So I'm like, hey, man, uh, your mom just wants you to get checked out because she's worried about you. And she's like, he's like, oh, that's bullshit. We just got in a, you know, an argument, and she doesn't want me around, and she wants me out of the house. I said, whatever. So he's yelling at his mom. Mom! She's like a building over. 
totally ignoring him. So I walk over. My, it's not even my call. I don't know why I'm making contact with this kid or even talking to him. But I walk back over to mom. I'm like, hey, can you just go at least acknowledge your son? Let him know that you can hear him. This is your responsibility as mom, not mine. You get him in the ambulance. Otherwise, we're going to end up fighting this guy for no reason. So she starts walking over to him. He comes out of behind the fence. Now he's right in front of me. Mind you, EMS guys, a lot of these guys, they're big and strong guys. They could bench press me. They're just standing behind me. I'm like, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at the kid. I'm looking at the mom. He starts walking up the sidewalk towards his mom. Mom comes over. I'm like right next to him. And then he goes, fuck this. And he fucking runs off. He bolts. And I'm like, oh, look, there he goes. He's running away. And my sergeant takes off after him. And my buddy Drew takes off after him. And I'm like, what? Wait, now I got to run to my car. My car is blocked in by an ambulance and a fire truck. So they're like, we'll move the fire truck. I'm like, okay. And now he's running away. And I'm like, I guess I'll go look for him. I don't know. I don't want him for anything. He's not wanted. You know, we shouldn't be chasing this kid. EMS go, oh, we'll stage in the area in case you catch him. I'm like, catch him? Why would we even look for him? I'm thinking, we don't have anything on him. We don't want him for anything. So he got away because EMS didn't do anything, and we didn't have any charges on him. So he just ran off. And luckily, and we had this discussion afterwards, luckily, by us chasing him, he crossed a major four-lane highway. Luckily, he wasn't struck by a car by us chasing him for no reason, right? Yeah. How, how ridiculous is that? And I, I think we discussed this, or you guys discussed this a couple of podcasts ago, where some of these calls that we, in general, law enforcement responds to, need to stop. Because some of it, it, you create work, and you create... Yeah, you're creating a problem. Right. So, like you said, who's the liability if he starts, you know, an emergency petition, it's, a, it's one thing. If you want to EP somebody for their own safety or safety of others, that, that's one thing. But Right. We don't actually do that in my county. You know, if they're going to be, if they need a psyche eval, either if they're a juvenile like this kid, mom has to take them in. And I had this big discussion with her. She calls us earlier in the evening and says, you know, he ran away. I go, he ran away? Yeah, five minutes ago. He's down the street at so-and-so's house. I go, so he didn't run away? He didn't run away. Go, if you don't, that's what I told her. If you don't want him at that house, walk your ass down to that house and drag him out of the building. Well, then I'm going to get in trouble. And I, I go, my son needs help. I go, yeah, he needs help. He needs counseling. He needs therapy. Guess who can give him that? You, mom. He's 16. You're responsible. You're the responsible adult. You have to get him into, into help. Well, if he doesn't go with me. I said, you need to beat your son's ass. So I said to her, she goes, well, then I'll get in trouble. I'll get arrested for child abuse. And I said, there's a difference between child abuse and discipline. Discipline. But you have to draw the line on what you're letting him do whatever the fuck he wants. Running off and do whatever he wants. That's a problem that starts at home. Then don't try and ask the police to solve it. I'm not a parent for him. I'm not his parent. I can't do anything. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's tough because it's, I mean, that there is a fine line, right? If, you, if she smacks him and leaves him 
read and she'd be she's subject to you know arrest or have the kids taken away but there's certain calls that cops shouldn't be responding to there i don't know ultimately as officers you have to look sit back and look why are we chasing this this is not even a crime and i right I, and i've I've dealt with this with with people. It's like maybe a report of incident, but I could care less if we record it. No, right. Maybe do a, a small a bit of paper on it and then move on. But even I have this thing with domestic disputes. We go on domestic disputes, as you know, uh, every day. Most of our calls are domestics, right? Not all violent. A lot of them just arguments. And my my question to the authorities. Now, I worked in another department, and when I went on my first domestic with my FTO, handle the call, get them to separate, whatever. It's just a verbal domestic. I get back in the car, and I had, for 15 years in this department, we, had, we have to do paper on that for whatever reason. It's none of my business. If you and your wife are arguing, it's none of the government's business what you guys are verbally arguing about, in my opinion. So to me, it's a violation of your civil rights, as long as there's no violence or threats involved. So I, I asked dispatch for a report number, and he goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I got to do paper on this, don't I? He says, we don't do reports for arguments. You just blotter it on the computer. He said, she said, they broke up. Or they went their separate ways. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now I'm back in this department, and once again, for a damn argument between two people about whatever. I don't like the color car. I don't like the color blue. I don't like the color red. We have to document that in a report. What do you want for dinner? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, want, I don't want that for dinner. And I have to write a report about that and put all that shit in there. And I'm like, so a lot of things, I guess, are internal, the way are handled at our department could change. And one of the things is assisting EMS. Now, we could stage. That, that's a thing. You know how when we have a suicidal subject and we get called, an EMS will stage down the street and until it's safe. This is where they got sent for a psyche eval and we should have staged down the street. Be ready. In case they need you. In case they need us. But they should have been the ones making contact with the person, the, the parent and the kid, because they probably could have got him in the ambulance. And mom says he has to go. They need to go hands-on, not me. I shouldn't be going hands-on. I'm not arresting full -time them. EM, are, yes. are they full-time EMS or volunteers? No, they're full-time. It's our own guys. So Yeah. So sometimes it's that internal protocols and right. SOPs. That's, it's set up that nobody's, way. Nobody's ever in the same page, and you would assume the fire chief and the police chief is like, hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Is this right. even a thing? Or right. vice versa. It's like, you can't commit resources from one agency to another. So. Yeah. So we, we dealt with him, and then we chased him, and then he got away, and then, you know, he has to go back home. He's 60. He's got nowhere else to go. So we just figured mom would call us again, right? So she never called us when he came back home. I think what she told me a few days later was she took him out for ice cream. I, 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 whatever. So later that night, we go on another call, my buddy Drew and I, 
and we're driving back to the station. So we're going southbound on one of our main streets, and we're at an intersection where we're going to turn east on our, the main road that goes right through our town. And coming northbound is a guy on a motorcycle. It's a dirt bike, maybe like a 500 or 250, you know, but it's not road applicable. It's a dirt bike, hmm. not an enduro, or it's just a strict dirt bike. So I see him. My buddy's in front of me, and I see the bike coming, and I'm, it's, you know, headlights or nothing. And he turns eastbound, and I'm looking at him, and then he does a wheelie. It's about 12 o'clock at night. He pulls a wheelie for like half a block right in front of us, and I'm like, that motherfucker. Now, I hate these guys, Nelson, and I don't like to say that word, but I was so mad because in Illinois, we have a problem with, I'm sure this is a nationwide problem, bikes running. No one wants to pull over anymore. They just want to get you in a chase and take off because they know you can't chase them because it's traffic. So I looked, <laughs> my buddy Drew seen it, so he's like right on him. He, he turns, and I'm right behind him, I'm next to him. We're going, I'm in the center lane, he's in the curb lane, and he zooms up, we zoom up on the bike, and he hits his speakers, or his uh, sirens. Like, the kid didn't see us behind him, so he's still doing his wheelie. So, really loud, and he like shakes the bike, and he puts the bike down, the front wheel, and he looks behind him, and then he sees us. So, boom, he goes. And I'm like, F you. I'm right next to him. I go, he's going, my partner hits his lights, I got my siren on. I don't have my lights on yet. Minimal traffic on the road at all because it's midnight. And I'm right next to him. My other buddy's in the... <laughs> I don't know if he wants me to say this on the radio. I won't say who he is. He's in the basement of the PD taking a shit. <laughs> we scream past the police department. He hears the engines. He, there's no radio signal in our basement. God forbid if we ever got shot in our own building in the basement, we wouldn't be able to call for help. Our radios go dead down there. So he can't hear any radio traffic. He just hears engines revving, sirens screaming right past the building. So he's like, oh, damn it. He's, all, he's trying to get all finished up so he can come up and get back on the street. So we fly past. It's, it's 30 miles an hour. By the time we pass the PD, I'm doing like 65. I'm right next to this kid on the bike. And I start drifting over, trying to get him to stop. And yeah, he's not, that's not working. So then he speeds up a little bit. And then coming up, there's a car in the curb lane in front of him. So now I got my lights on. My partner has his lights on. The car sees everyone with their lights on. So he's going to start slowing down and pulling over like he should. Well, he doesn't know there's a bike right behind him with no headlight on. He starts slowing down. The bike starts coming up to him really fast. He's got to hit his brakes really fast. But he has brakes so fast, I couldn't brake in time. So he, I, was, I still went forward. And then he got around that car and then back in front of it. And next to me again, before I could like position myself to jump out and I don't know, grab him. Who knows? So now he's, he's going again and we fly past the next major intersection. And I'm like, I'm still pacing him, and I'm right next to him. Now he gets a little bit ahead of me and we're in a stretch where it's nothing but forest preserves on each side, four lanes. It's 45 miles an hour. There's forest preserves on each side. And we have a lot of deer at night. If you look at some of my stories, I'm always taking picture of the deers that eat on the road there. They come out a lot. We have a lot of deer hit on the road there. And I'm thinking, oh, just once. Just once have a deer come out right in front of this fucking guy. It'll end this chase in like two seconds. So dispatch calls. My sergeant hasn't called me off yet. <laughs> so I'm like, 
I call it in and, uh, you know, where we're at, passing this street, approaching this street. And dispatch goes, okay, what's your speed? I'm like, um, 55. I look down at my speedometer. <laughs> I'm not doing 55. They're like, okay. So we fly past the, the next major intersection, which now is the city. There's people outside in the bar, and they're all like, woo, go get them, go get them. You know, so we, fly, we fly past, and uh, this guy's not slowing down at all. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be bad. So we're going to have to slow down soon. So next major intersection, we're grabbing all the lights because we have the Opticon. So he doesn't even have to worry about any red lights because we're grabbing them all. all. All green, all green. So finally we got up through the next town. We passed the other police department in the city next to us. Now we're in the city, and I'm like, ah, screw this. So I just, you know, shut shut it down, turn back around. And I was so pissed off, so pissed off, because these guys, someone's going to say, what are you chasing him for? We had this discussion at roll call the next day. I'm like, fuck this guy. He's doing a wheelie on a bike that's not road worthy right in front of two cops, and we shouldn't try and stop him? Well, yeah, but then you're you're creating a problem for yourself. And I go, because the, the guys that don't want to, obey the law. It's my problem because they don't want to obey the law. They turned it into a fleeing, an aggravated fleeing and eluding, which would have been just a ticket, right? So do we just ignore everybody now that breaks the law because we could get sued and get in trouble for not doing our job? It's getting very frustrating for me. I mean, it it, it truly is because if you think about it from his actions... I mean, you could even go with Curtis driving. Oh, it was reckless Bumping. driving. Yeah, fleeing and eluding. You name it. I could have thrown all kinds of stuff at him. Oh, yeah, speeding. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't changing lanes. Turn. Uh, no. But you you have to take everything into. I know. I'm so frustrated. I get, I get mad at those people. I just want to. So my partner sends me a video, like, on, I don't know if it was on Instagram if it was, I'll forward it to you, of a chase out in California on a motorcycle. So there's some guy on a quad on the street. Those aren't street legal. And there's another guy on a bike, a motorcycle. And he's got a ca- camera on his helmet. I'm pointing at my head so Nelson can see me. So he's got a camera GoPro, on his head. Yeah. yeah. He's got the GoPro. And you see the squad on his left. And the squad starts coming over like I was doing to this guy. And the guy on the bike goes, uh-uh-uh, he waves his finger like to, to Kembe Mutombo. Uh-uh-uh, you can't do that. And I'm thinking, fuck you, I can't do that. Right. So he's, he points, he does that, uh-uh-uh, and he points to his camera, and the cop's like, fuck you. I, I don't know how fast they were going, but he comes way over. He comes way over. And then the guy, you know, swerves to the right, and then they start going straight again. Then the cop goes up in front of him. He goes up in front of him. And cuts him off, like cuts to the right in front of the kid. The kid on the bike goes around him on the left side, and the cop opens his car door. And bam, the bike hits the car door. And he just, you see the camera? He's on the ground spinning and flipping. And the cop gets out and goes, put your effing hands behind your back. And they hook him up. That's how it should be handled. I don't know what happened to those guys, (laughs) but they've got him on camera because he was stupid enough to record himself disobeying, you know, a traffic stop, everything else. So I don't know how that works out there, but yeah, I was I mean, cheering for those guys. When you do stuff like that, you should definitely get your license revoked and all that stuff. Remember a couple of years back, the New York City 
there was a, a group of bikers on the expressway. And no. They uh, they were pretty much harassing an SUV. Okay. And the SUV, the person driving the SUV, freaked out and ran over one one of the bikers. Oh. And they chased them. They chased them. And oh, the bikers chased the SUV guy. After he ran over. Okay. I mean, what do you expect? If you're harassing people, they're going to, if you have your loved ones, you know what I mean? Right. In in the car, people are just stupid. I mean, that's, There has to be some consequences for those people. They can't just do whatever the F they want and not expect any consequences. It's kind of like my road opinion. rage. It's, it's exactly like road rage. Right. Exactly right. All right. So that was Saturday. Foot chase, motorcycle chase. If I had a boat, really I would have been in a boat chase. Did you really chase? The, on the if foot I chase? were you, I would have said, no, keep that, keep that fire truck there. You're fine right there where you are. <laughs> well, I, then they left. And I'm, I, I wanted to get into it with them, and I'm like, I'm not even going to bother. So uh, we had to go back to that house later, you know, a few days later. But that's when I found out that mom took him for ice cream. So here's a call. Uh, <laughs> This was a call that we heard over the air for the town next to us. Uh, blank, blank, blank. Uh, take the report of the mean cat outside the complainant's house hissing at people. <laughs> Nelson just took his glasses off. That's awesome. Can you believe that shit? Oh, call the police. There's a mean cat outside. Come on, man. Was it the angry, angry cat face? <laughs> Hey, I found him, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I had to get on the air and go, meow. I, really? Uh, oh, then the next call. Okay, that oh, was one time. You could have gone meow. Like, I, I did the meow. Now, listen here, meow. Meow, yeah. We've done that on stops, traffic stops. Uh, We've done a Pete and repeat. Okay. <laughs> you got to have fun doing this stuff. Oh my God! So that was one call. We have we share a band with two other towns. It used to be five, but there's three of us on one band, so we hear those calls. So that was for one of the towns. The second call I wrote down, which wasn't for us, was the call for the victim, in air quotes, who someone used racial slurs against. Now, really, I, the the hissing cat's bad. But you're going to call the police because someone called you a name when I whatever. I can't. I can't. I just can't. So those weren't ours. That was a highlight of my Sunday laughing at other people because that shouldn't have been. That should, that's not a call, right? What, what is that? What kind of call is that? They called me names. I yeah. Heard feelings report. It's, so you don't want someone to use their exercise their First Amendment rights of freedom of speech. So we, we, sh- we should punish those people. I always it's... tell them, we have people like you, servicemen and women, fighting for our right for free speech. So if you don't like what someone says to you, as long as it's not, you know, an assault where someone's threatening violence against you when you believe there's going to be a furtherance of action, just suck it up. Walk away. Tough shit. Either that or just be witty. Come on, yeah. be more clever. Right. <laughs> Just use your mind. Fight back. 
But anyways, that, those weren't mine. And I wanted to tell Brandon, so since he's going to listen to this, I actually wrote my first tinted windshield citation. Because I've been... I pulled over two previous cars for tinted windshields. I don't know if you you heard the episodes. No, you don't need one for the windshield. I do have a tint meter. I'm one of the guys that one of the only guys that carries it for the side windows. Yes, you have that, but you don't have a fingerprint machine. Right, we don't have the awesome fingerprint machine that can identify somebody. I don't know how that works. I think Brandon's just making that shit up, anyways. But yeah, it sounds uh, made up. Yeah, (laughs) what kind of hocus pocus is that? But I actually wrote my first tinted windshield. I had this beautiful Corvette. It was a 2017, like, ZR, Z06, one of the, you know, very expensive ones. And the guy lives in town. So I said, uh, the reason I pulled you over, you know, is your windshield's tinted. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's not denying it. I said, uh, do you know that's illegal? Yeah. He go, but he said, it's not that dark. I said, no, it's not. So I'll tell you what. I won't give you a state ticket. I'll just give you a $35, you know, compliance citation for equipment violation. He's like, oh, okay. But but one of these days, you're going to get a $160 ticket for that. He's like, all right, well, I'll just deal with that when it comes. And then he's telling me he he valets cars, and he doesn't know how people get the dark-tinted windshields. I'm like, you're driving a car with tinted windshield. What? (laughs) But you don't know how people get the dark one. It's the same thing at night. You can't see out of it. I didn't Uh, know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. So here in Illinois, I'm seeing it a lot, tinted windshields right. and a lot of dark tinted windshields. Like you can't even see the driver. Hmm. So it's it's really bad. Uh, I worked a well, four day weekend. They can't accuse you of racial profiling if you can't look inside. Right. Yeah. You know what? I uh, here's the thing. I've been accused of that. Obviously, we all have that do traffic stops, and I always tell these people. First of all, when I pull someone over, I tell them that I observed their vehicle doing whatever the maneuver was. I never say, I saw you doing this, because I'm not accusing the driver. I state that I observed your vehicle doing this maneuver, and then I ask, do you have a reason for said maneuver? Because maybe they have a good excuse. And then they say, you pulled me over because I'm, I'm Hispanic, or you pulled me over because I'm black, or you pulled me over. We had my sergeant pull over this chick who sped past him, cut him off, no lane change signal. We pull, him over, pull her over, and she says, you only pulled me over because I'm white. I'm like, what? I heard it come out of her mouth. I'm like, did she just say that you pulled her over because you're because she's white? Yeah, that was a 22 years. I never heard that one. But I don't. I tell them I can't see you when you're speeding past me in the opposite direction. I just see your car. I don't see who's driving the car. So don't tell me that bullshit. But uh, I, I I told this to one driver once. I was like, I was like, thank you. I was like, but I don't know how good of a cop you think I am. But when you're speeding at 75 miles per hour, right, and I'm able to look at your race, I'm like, I'm yeah, not right. that good. I'm not but, that good. Uh, nice. Superman. <laughs> but thanks for the compliment. So then I worked Monday. I worked uh, 48 hours in a row, which kind of sucked. And we get a call to go back to one of our hotels that stated, people are banging on her door and trying to kill her. That was the call. So, of course, we go there. I was working on the other midnight shift as a favor for one of the guys that was at a bachelor party. So I'm working with his, his crew. And uh, the kid that took the call with me is one of my trainees. So it was his call. So I was just sitting back. And apparently he had dealt with her on Thursday, the same person four days earlier. Uh, they're all 
cokeheads and meth heads and drunks, and it was just the woman's twin sister trying to get in the room. But uh, I, I just wish these people Nelson would go away. Uh, that's it. I don't have that. That's what I got. Uh, we had other stuff that's kept us busy for most of the weekend, but uh, that that's the highlights of my five days of of work week. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I, I, you're just dealing with all these, you know, same people every day, every weekend. And uh, after a while, everybody out there that does this job knows that we have our regulars. Sometimes it's fun, and sometimes we see them in good light. Sometimes they have good days, but most of the time they have bad days, and that's when we're ending up seeing them, so it kind of sucks. But uh, what was good was it, no shootings, no stabbings, no homicides, nothing like that. That's good. You know, we got a we had a motorcycle chase in there. That was fun. Had a foot chase uh, for a little while. So, uh, you know, got some exercise and got to get some adrenaline flowing in a safe manner. So that was my week. And there was a few things that I wanted to talk about real quick in the uh, what do you call it in the news. So we got a couple news stories. Nothing big. I'm just gonna touch on a few things. And I'm gonna bring up. I have my phone linked. Uh, for audio, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play a uh, a clip from the Washington D.C. police chief. He was uh, doing a press conference in reference to numerous uh, homicides and shootings that they're having, and I believe over 900 victims so far this year. And I just wanted you to hear what he has to say and get your take on that. And the way that we're going and the things that we're trying to do, we want to help people. Yes, we should. But you cannot coddle violent criminals. You cannot. You cannot treat violent criminals who are out here making communities unsafe for you, for your loved ones, for me, for my loved ones. They might not want a job. They might not. They might not need services. What they may require is to be off of our streets because they're making it unsafe for us. And if that's what it requires, then that's what it requires. And we have to own that. We have to own it because if not, we see more of this. We see more of this in our communities. And then what happens? When someone's shot, you know, people are outraged by it. I'm outraged every time. Every of uh, those 922, a lot of those 198 that died of that, I stood over many of those. Yeah. So you don't often get a chance to hear a police chief or superintendent or the leader of a police department address a crowd like that. Uh, that was from Fox News. It was uh, sent to me on Twitter. I don't know if I have fair right to use this, but I'm using it anyways because I found that refreshing, I might say, that he's addressing the media in a way that needs to be addressed. As I was listening to it, to me it sounds like he's also talking directly to politicians. Right, politicians seem to go, they jump in the bandwagon. So, oh, this is what we think they need. And you can't, you just can't. I mean, he's right. I mean, if a police officer shoots somebody, all hell breaks loose. But somebody shoots somebody, well, it's it's the gun's fault. Right. So now let's let's do legislation that the legal law-abiding citizen pays for it so he's right they baby they glorify them you they criminals, glorify 
criminals. They have too many rights in my, and I mean, rights are there to protect all of us. But when you have a lot of these shooters that are caught and there's video evidence, I mean, here in Cook County, they're released. The judges are releasing these people and back into the community. And there's, you know, I keep seeing every day on the news now, oh, this, this uh, group of neighbors is having a get together to end violence in their community. I'm like, just fucking give up. What? Give up. I would like to see programs put in place for kids that have, you know, uh, a one-parent home and they need somewhere to go after school and they can get involved. And I would like to see them getting involved in the trades and learning a, a skill and all that stuff so they're not grabbing a gun. But like the chief said, these people don't want jobs. These gangbangers, they don't want jobs. They just want to do drugs, money. sell drugs, right? Rob people. Why would I want to go work 60 hours a week when I can just rob you when you're at the ATM? Steal your car. So, you know, uh, I don't know. Let's get and, to a point where it's bad. And, and, and to be honest with you, some, some of these major cities, Baltimore, uh, to name Detroit, to name a few, where they will continue doing it because they know that they could get away with it. Yeah, and cops, Chicago. Cops can't enforce this. Oh, you can't do anything to me. I'll be out in 30 minutes. Yeah, and speaking of Detroit, I sent you that uh, video to our chat group of that car that pulls wow. up right in front of a police car. Guy gets out of the rear passenger side back window with a rifle shooting at some dude on the street right in front of the squad. And when they showed the replay, they slowed it down. Did you see the the driver and the passenger on the driver's side turn and look at the police car and they had masks on, right? You saw that. And then the police officer in the video pulls forward, like next to the car. And then the car must've went behind them because the police officer then turns right and goes away from the shooters. And then they turn around after that car had gotten away to go back and check on the victim victim. Right. So, I, from what I've read, it was a female officer driving the squad and with a partner, and they've both been suspended. One of them, I thought, said was in the hospital for what? I don't know, maybe an evaluation, because they, did, they didn't take fire. But the video was so shocking to me, and like you said in our string, they should just retire, right, or get out of this field of work because it's not for them. None of us want to get shot going to work, but holy shit, if you see that happening right in front of you, you better damn, ram the car, right? They have push bars on their squad. Ram the car and just start shooting out your windshield at them. Whatever you have to do to stop them from murdering someone right in front of you. Even, even if it's just as simple as energizing your lights and siren so they could speed away. Do something. I, I mean... At a minimum, like oh shit, the cops. Let's yeah. let, let, let's get let's get out of here, and then you could tend to the victim. Right. At a minimum, I'd, they could have done that. But they didn't. But like I you said, did, they removed they, themselves. It was in a perfect position. To it would have been a T-bone situation, right? They would have T-boned the right. driver and the passenger, and maybe got them knocked them out of commission. Those two, and then dealt with the guy with the rifle on the far the back. Rifle. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they had a rifle on them, but there's two people in that squad. So, you know, if one of them had a rifle there, they could have engaged their rifle with the other one. I don't know. Who knows? Um, I mean, at a minimum, 
between the both of them, 50 bullets from their personal Right, weapon. right. At a minute. Unless, unless you're me, because I have I have eight. More. No, I have eight. Yeah. Well, eight plus five, or times five, whatever that is. So there you go, 40-something or other. I'm not a math wizard, but um, 48, 40. But they could have at least done something. And if I read correctly, they didn't report it either. Yeah, they didn't. It was only through review of the video footage by their supervisor, Nelson, <laughs> their boss, happened to be reviewing the videotapes that night, and then they saw it on video. Holy shit. Well, they should obviously both be fired, for one. Now here's, and here's what I'm thinking. They're probably thinking, oh, no, if we shoot another black person, we're going to be vilified and uh, hung out to dry. You know I don't know. I, I wouldn't even go that route because we don't know the the race of the officers. So that's just true. Plain, but just playing devil's advocate, they got scared. Yeah. Honestly, Definitely the way got scared. Yeah, the way they drove away, they got scared. And if you're that scared, time to get out. Just 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 leave. You're gonna get somebody killed. Yeah, because and in this case. They might have that victim. I don't know if the victim survived or not. But I don't know. I haven't done any follow up on him. Uh, he's guys just standing on the corner or on the street. He seems to like walk up to the car. Did you see the video? I don't know if, yeah. if he knew the people or he thought it was his Uber. And then the guy jumps out with a rifle, hangs out with a rifle. He thinks, "Oh shit, that's not my Uber." I don't know, but uh, it was it was pretty crazy. I I had never seen anything like that before. Yeah, like especially in training, like. When you do active shooter training and all this stuff, I hear comments like, well, I don't get paid enough for this shit, blah, blah, blah. Like, then just leave. If you don't want to take this serious, you don't think you're going to perform when it comes time to doing the job, just leave. Right. This job is not for everybody, and it's okay. Right. It's not for everybody. None of us want to get into a shootout, but we take an oath to protect people, and, you know... We need to live it, up to that oath. It's, it's kind of the same situation with the, um, the Parkland deputy that didn't go in. Yeah, that didn't go into school. So, tactically, should he have gone in? Outdated tactics. I, 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 but you know what? It's time. People like that we don't need in, the, in, on the job. No, exactly right. All right, so let's move on to the fallen officers. I'm actually getting a text message from Brandon as we're um, starting this. So he just texted me and texted me that an officer in Kern County, a, oh, it's a county between Los Angeles and Fresno County, Kern County deputy killed during a standoff earlier today, suspect in custody. So we don't have his name right now, so I can't read it off. But this is, as it's happening, news just coming into my phone as we're recording. So I just wanted to make sure that we mention their current county deputy. And we will get those details, unfortunately, later. And we can give that name next week on our show. But I did have one officer this week. I had mentioned him last week, the Lubbock County Sheriff's Office, uh, Sergeant Joshua Blake Bartlett. We didn't have a name last week when we did the show. So I wanted to make sure that I recognized Sergeant Bartlett from Lubbock County Sheriff's Office. Sergeant Josh Bartlett was shot and killed during a barricade 
at a home in the 1100 block of 10th Street in Levelland. Earlier in the morning, the subject had been stopped by a Texas Highway Patrol trooper for reckless driving and attempted to bait the officer into a confrontation. The subject returned home after the encounter and began walking around the neighborhood with a firearm at about 1.15 p.m. When officers with the Leveland Police Department arrived, the man opened fire on him and then barricaded himself inside. The regional SWAT team was requested as the man randomly fired shots from the home. Sergeant Bartlett and three other members of the SWAT team were shot as they engaged the subject. Sergeant Bartlett was transported to Covenant Medical Center in Leveland, where he succumbed to his wounds. He was 38 years old. He was a U.S. Army veteran. And I do not have his length of tour that he was on duty. But our prayers go out to Sergeant Joshua Blake Bartlett of the Lubbock County Sheriff's Office in Texas. And then the one today that Brandon just actually texted me about right now. So those are our fallen officers of the week. And then I have, uh, I sent you an artic- four articles for the heroes of the week. We do have heroes of the week. And the first one is an off-duty California officer. So I don't know if you got a chance to see these, but this guy. I did. Okay, this one's amazing, right? He's Officer Mark Afanasev was in the right place at the right time to help two victims out of a burning vehicle. There is video. He's a Stockton, California police officer. He was off-duty traveling through town in Rancho Cordova with his wife Saturday night, July 17th. And he has a camera on his car, uh, which most people are now getting on their dash cams for personal cars, for accidents and stuff. So he sees two cars collide. One flips over, lands on its roof, slides across the intersection, and starts on fire. And he says, the only thing I was thinking about is that there's people in the car and they need help. He said, there, you know, burning. So without thinking twice, he drove to the scene, told his wife to call the police, and he ran out of his car into the flames. This is all caught on his personal vehicle camera. You can see him run into the flames. One of the guys gets out of the burning vehicle on their own. He drags another person out whose legs were on fire. And then shortly after, they're joined by you know, other numerous civilians on the street that ran up. So this is crazy. Uh, the victim's identities and condition remain unknown. And the police chief, Eric Jones, said in a statement Thursday, all of us at the police department are extremely proud of Mark's heroic actions. Even while off duty, Mark puts his own life in danger in order to help rescue the occupants inside that burning car. This is just another reminder that law enforcement officers are never off the job when duty calls. Officer Afanesev, I'm probably saying his name wrong and I apologize, he stated, I've responded to numerous serious car crashes, but not to where the car was engulfed in flames. He believes it was divine intervention that he happened to be there on site. That's crazy. And if anybody wants to see these videos, you can go to policeone.com and then look up Heroes and you can see some of these videos that we're referencing. The second one that I found was a New York police officer, 
catching residents jumping out of a house that was on fire. The body cam footage is shaky and stuff, but he's running towards the house that's on fire, asking numerous people what's the address. And then when he gets there, there were people inside the house. Officer Mark Conklin sprints towards the house, which is almost entirely engulfed by flames. There were uh, children trapped on the second floor with several other occupants. He runs around the house directing the residents to safety and at one point tells an individual to jump from the upstairs window and he actually catches them. So, holy crap. God bless him. And he pulled a child, too, out out of the... Yeah, out of the house. Yeah. Right? So... Uh, that their chief, Tim Jackson, praised Conklin for his heroism. I can say that I have seen many examples of heroism over the years by officers. After watching the video of the incident and speaking to others involved, I can say that the actions of Officer Conklin were, to say the least, one of the most outstanding examples of bravery, heroism, and exemplary service I have ever seen. How about that? Man, that's awesome. That's got to make him feel good, saving those lives. The third one is a police officer who's on a lunch break. There is surveillance video from the restaurant where a 10-year-old girl started to choke. And someone, I think a family member nearby, started to do the Heimlich, but they weren't doing it successfully. So this Manchester police detective on his lunch break, Detective Richard Jupinka, was at a nearby table. And he ran over to the 10-year-old and performed the correct Heimlich maneuver and saved the 10-year-old girl from choking. Holy shit. Always be prepared, right, Nelson? You have to. And then the fourth one I thought was pretty interesting. I love love this one. This is my favorite. (laughs) I didn't watch the video, but... It it was good. Should I watch the video? I'll watch it later, but uh, I read the article... And a New York, P- an NYPD cop saves a stabbing victim with a potato chip bag and tape. So NYPD officer was praised for his resourcefulness after he used unconventional tools to help a stabbing victim earlier this month. The officer, Ronald Kennedy, was crediting with saving the man's life using only an empty chip bag and a few pieces of tape. In the body cam video posted on Thursday, officers are seen surrounding a bleeding man. During the July 7th incident, Kennedy is heard telling someone to fetch a bag of potato chips and tape from a nearby convenience store. The officer empties the bag of chips, doesn't even eat one, tapes it over the victim's bleeding chest. It's the best I could do with what I had, he is heard saying. At some point later, another responder replaces the chip bag with a more conventional patch. <laughs> yeah, no, so it, it was great. Uh, so kind of play-by-play type of thing is there's a group, whoever the, this victim is, the, his friends are there with him. So they're trying to provide aid, but they don't know how to. Yeah. So he I'm, shows I... up, and his whole chest is bleeding, and so he's trying to... He did an improvised chest seal. He tells the friend, go get a potato potato chips and tape. So he runs into the bodega, brings it out, and he creates a chest seal 
yeah. using the potato bag. Oh, and it's like and clear packing tape, I see. I'm looking at it yeah. now. So within minutes, another unit shows up with an actual chest seal. And then EMS shows up. So it, they said that that's he's being credited. If he hadn't done that, the guy could have bled out. So even just using that bag with some tape and pressure yeah. stopped. Wow. The fact that you got to say bodega in our broadcast is cool because I've always wanted to go into bodega. We don't have them in Illinois. It's only a New York thing. Or maybe it's a New Jersey thing, too. I don't know. You can tell me. Well, uh, it kind of is. Okay. More delis I've always wanted to go into a bodega. It's the same thing. You're not... It's just how they what they call it, what the Puerto Ricans and Dominicans call a convenience store. Yeah, everybody though. I mean, I watched NYPD Blue for a long time, and they all call them bodegas. I I just think it's, I mean, it's unique to the East Coast. Yeah, growing up in the West Coast, yeah, to me a bodega is a warehouse. Okay, okay. So bodega, the literal translation is a warehouse. Oh, but here in here in the East Coast, it's yeah, it's a convenience store. Okay. Well, I, I I always, when I hear it, think of convenience store myself, but a small one. I think of bodega as like a small, narrow, you know, convenience store with very little stuff in it. I don't know. That's what I picture in my head. I'm going to send you a couple of YouTube videos. Okay. And regarding bodegas. You'll All right, laugh. cool. All right. We do have one hero of the week, or badass of the week, I mean. We had the four heroes of the week. We have a badass of the week. I don't know. if Did you get to watch this one? This I was did. all over the news. Let's see if I got the right music for this. So I saw the video first and didn't realize you can't see the offender. Every time I've watched the video, I can't see him. But Arizona cop shoots gunman who targeted first responders. Officer Danny Leon was credited with ending a deadly shooting spree that hurt two EMTs and a firefighter. Tucson, Arizona. New body cam video shows the moment a Tucson police officer ended a deadly shooting spree that targeted first responders on Sunday. According to KVOA, Leslie Stephen Scarlett, you know, all these shitbags have three names. I, I'm going to get rid of my middle name just in case I do something really bad so they don't just go Michael Anthony Marazzo and I'm stuck with like John Wayne Gacy and all those other people. <laughs> so anyways, this guy's 35 years old, this shitbag Scarlett. He's accused of killing one person and leaving four others wounded including two EMTs and a Tucson fire captain. Police said the complex series of incidents began with a house fire call around 4 p.m. A few minutes later, police said Scarlett shot two EMTs who were responding to an unrelated medical call about a mile away. One of them was shot in the head, enlisted in critical condition. The second was shot in the chest and arm and is stable. Back at the house fire, firefighters and neighbors were working to get the blaze under control when Scarlett drove up and started shooting, according to NBC News. One neighbor was struck and killed, a fire captain was shot in the arm, and a second neighbor was grazed by a bullet. Both were listed in good condition. Scarlett then fled and encountered Officer Danny Leon, according to KVOA. In new body cam video released Monday, Scarlett rams into Leon's vehicle and starts shooting. Leon gets out of his vehicle and returns fire, hitting the suspect. Unfortunately, the shitbag is alive and in critical condition. Leon was not hurt. I'm sorry that I got to say that. And then they said about Officer Leon, he's shaken up by the crazy incident, but in the end, he knows he did the right thing and probably stopped the suspect from killing even more people. 
said Mike Story, a Tucson police union rep. His call reflected there was an active shooter that did not intend on giving up. So this is as serious as it gets. And then the mayor, Regina Romero, said Leon's actions prevented further tragedy. Officer Danny Leon responded immediately to the scene, knowing he would be entering harm's way. Despite his car being rammed and shots being fired at, directly at him, he demonstrated incredible composure and bravery in neutralizing the threat. His actions were heroic and likely saved lives. And then they found another badly burned body in the uh, scene of the house fire. They don't know the manner of death on that. But this officer, Officer Leon, is our badass of the week. If you get a chance to watch the video, it's pretty impressive. I watched it a number of times, Nelson, and I didn't get to see the actual offender anywhere. I just watched the officer shooting and the, the car accident, you know, the crash. I, I got to take a look at it. I didn't. It was a little bit too long of a video. Yeah, there's you have to like fast forward through it, but uh, so that's our hero of the, I mean, badass of the week. <laughs> so I got to work on getting these badass of the week plaques made because <laughs> I want to start sending them out. I'm gonna have to go through all the notes and find and remember who got what. But uh, we don't have any questions or comments for this week. Once again, no one seems to be asking us anything, but that's okay. They probably don't want stickers. They don't want stickers. Yeah. Remember, if you ask a question, get a sticker. Send a question via a voice memo to the email. We'll get into that in a few minutes. We are going to go over to our woodworking segment now, I think. And uh, if Nelson would like to tell us what he's working on that didn't get to see anybody that didn't get to see the uh, IG Live, we can uh, go over that and then uh, just touch on a few things that I'm working on. You want to go first? Sure. All right. I was waiting for the sawdust music. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't have the sawdust. No sawdust music. So I'm out for the next three days, four days, and then I have oh, Coast, good. Guard. Coast Guard okay. weekend. So my plan is I have to finish two Adirondack chairs and finish the humidors. I'm also working on, I forget the official name, but it's uh, cigar-related. It's a stand for... Um, Cigar punches. Cigar punches? Are those the things that you I, cut the ends of the cigars off with? Um, no, it's not the punches. I don't it's, smoke cigars, but... Yeah, I know. I just don't... I don't use these things. Oh, you don't? I don't use these, no. But okay. But you're making um, some. Well, I'm making a stand for... Should I Google cigar punch? No, they're called cigar daggers. Oh, daggers. Okay. So I'm. Oh, it's like a dagger. A, dagger. Right. So it's a. Uh, uh, this is a return customer. Uh, he was okay. gifted one of my cigar ashtrays, and he wants a stand that will look just like the ashtray. Okay. So I already have the wood milled, so I gotta laminate it and create a stand for him. Nice. So I'm looking forward to that one. That sounds like fun. What else? I don't even remember. I, I built a a bookshelf or like a cubby shelving unit for a nursery. It was okay. blue. Uh, they want another one just like it. Oh, excellent. So, so those are the things I'm looking at. There's other projects. I still got to... I'm such a piece of shit. It's not even funny. What? I, 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 I got to work on um, 
some of my giveaway uh, prices. I haven't gotten the, the opportunity to work on those. So, Did, sorry, guys. Don't, yeah, don't feel pressured, man. Everyone knows that you're busy. And everyone that wins something in a giveaway, they're fortunate enough to actually win something in the giveaway. When they get it, it's no big deal. So, yeah. they I'm know you're sure, good for I, it. I feel, I, I feel like ass about it, so. Yeah, I don't. So anyways, don't that, that, that's what I have going up. on this week. I'm hoping to finish those Adirondack chairs and the humidors. That's my two priorities for the week. Are those chairs for yourself or for a client? For a customer, a friend, family friend. All right. Are you painting them or staining them? What kind of wood are they made out of? They're made out of um, cedar. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they want it unfinished, and they okay. want to figure that out. Oh, nice. And the reason I want to, I want to finish it is they actually live in Massachusetts. Okay. So when I go for my drill weekend in Boston, yeah, I you just can drop bring it. it. Okay. Yeah. Do they fit in your so. car, or do you have a truck? I have a truck. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. So what kind of truck fit. are you? Team Silverado, or are you team somebody else? Dodge Ram. Oh God, I'm sorry to hear that. No, <laughs> but I, I got a good deal on the truck. So. Oh, I, I love the Ram. A lot of mileage, but... Yeah, well, it seems to be working yeah. fine for you. Yeah, it, it's good. I, no complaints. Well, this was a 2009. I bought okay. used. And it was a, like a barter system with my best friend. So, okay. So I got I got a good deal. Excellent. I couldn't refuse it. It seems to be working great. Uh, he got tired of seeing pictures of me hauling lumber with the <laughs> and Yeah, okay. He goes, if you... He goes, how many times have I told you that you could borrow my truck? I'm like, I know, I know, but it's a pain in the ass, picking it up, dropping it off. Yeah. And then I, one picture I, I sent him, it, it was, I was, I bought pavers. Okay. And I put pavers on the Jeep. In the Jeep? And he was like, in the Jeep. And he was like, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. He goes, I'm, he goes, he goes, I'll just sell it to you. He goes, I'm tired of seeing these. You're going to kill uh, your Jeep. That's great. Yeah. Did you have to make him but something? Some chairs and some couch. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Good deal, man. Can't go wrong. And he gets to use it whenever he asks for it. So. All right. And then you this is the vehicle that you drive three hours? No. To work something. Okay. 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 If I know I'm picking up lumber or I'm yeah. having okay. a detour that I need it. But and I then in this case, when you drive to Boston, you'll be bringing it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, uh, I was talking to you on our IG Live about what I got going on in the shop and I seem to have transitioned into being a bottle opener maker. So I, I, I got orders for flags and stuff and I just been dragging my feet. I, uh, I have a bunch of rough sawn poplar on my wood rack that I bought specifically for these flags coming up. And all I have is a six inch bench top when jointer. And I have it on a, hanky cart it rocks i don't feel safe when i'm using it it's up too high it should actually be lower so i i need to lower the jointer or or what i decided buy a jointer like a big jointer so i found uh, a laguna which i think i'm going to buy I'm going to bring up the screenshot here. A Laguna 8-inch JX8 Sheertech 2, 3-horsepower, single-phase, 8-inch jointer. 
So I've been saving up my money from my flags, and this thing runs about $2,700, this jointer. Nice. Yeah, so I thought, oh, I've got $2,800 saved up from all my flags and a couple of extra hundred bucks stashed away in cash, uh, or a couple thousand, I should say. No one's listening that knows, needs to know that. But it's a share tech head. So I called my best friend, Bill. Bill has been my friend since grade school. He helps me move shit. He helped me do the electrical for my shop. And I said, hey, man, I want to get this huge-ass jointer. He's like, yeah, that sounds like a plan. I said, yeah, it weighs 390 pounds. Will you be able to help me get it in my basement? <laughs> he's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. He's got MS, so he's not supposed to be like lifting heavy shit anymore. But he doesn't. he's a machinist, a tool and die guy. He's on his feet all day. And uh, he's constantly he's remodeling his mom's kitchen right now. He doesn't know how to slow down. So I don't want to get him to get hurt, of course. But I wouldn't think about buying it if I didn't think I'd have him to help me get it downstairs. So he said, yeah, we can get a furniture dolly. It, it comes apart, I would imagine. I, I would imagine just the uh, the base, and you put the tables on it, I think. I don't know. So that's my next big purchase. It's back-ordered until October. But since I, I said that, the reason I brought that up was because I've got all this poplar staring at me in the face. It's about five-quarter, and I don't want to lose a lot of the width of the wood by resawing right. it on the bandsaw down to six inches to get it onto the jointer. You know what I mean? I'm going to lose some wood yeah. there. So I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to buy my lumber for these upcoming flags from the big box store. And I was getting it from the orange store, but Menards actually has really nice surface four sides, even up to one by 12s by 10 feet long uh, poplar which are wrapped with paper, or I mean plastic, and they're really usually in good shape. So I have a 60-inch flag that I'm working on that I have to start cutting, and then I have four other 37-inch flags, and I think I'm just going to actually end up paying a little bit more for the wood until I get the big jointer. Then I can break down this wood that I have here in the shop. So Did I ever tell you my jointer story? How no. I got it? So I was driving home, from Maryland to Jersey, and I took the back roads. It was one of those days that I wanted to avoid tolls. So I took the back roads, and I stopped to get gas and get something to drink. And I went on Let Go. I'm like, hey, I'm in this town. Let's see what's around. Let's see what's around. And sure enough, I was at the time I was in the market for a planer. Okay. So I found this jet professional 15 inch planer holy shit it, it was selling for nine hundred dollars okay so i reached out to the guy i was like hey what's the lowest you could go i was like i'm not i'm like i know it's worth more than 900 he goes i could go for 700 check my account I'm like, yep i'm good he goes but you need to come pick it up tomorrow I'm like, all right so it's like about an hour, hour and okay. ten minute drive. So I go up there, once again in the Jeep. <laughs> oh, no. Get out of town. No. So, so I show up, and I start talking to the guy. And he had a business, a professional business, cabinet-making business. Okay. 
lost his house in the divorce or something or other, and moved all his equipment to his brother's garage. And the brother's like telling him, hey, you gotta get all your shit out yeah. by a certain date. Right. So he's selling everything. So I started talking to him. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm a veteran, a police officer. I'm outfitting the garage. This is when I first started. Okay. And he goes, $500. It's yours. $500? $500. Wow. And I showed him pictures of the progress I had at the time with the garage. It's pretty sad. If, if, I'll, I'll send you pictures but, <laughs> okay. of how it looked. And um, he goes, where's your truck? I was like, I don't have a truck. I was like, I have the Jeep. And he goes, it wastes a ton, man. Yeah. He- truck. I was like, I'm going to go to the big box store, rent a truck. We load it. I was like, I'll get out of here today. He goes, let me make a phone call. So he calls his brother. He goes, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? He goes, tomorrow's Father's Day. He goes, all right, well, I'm selling a piece of equipment. How about we just drop it off? And I was like, I'm an hour and some change. He was like, we'll drop it off. Cash. It has to be cash. So the next day, on Father's Day, they show up to my house. Wow. With with the planer. And he goes, hey, I was looking at your pictures. I didn't see that you had a joiner, a drill press. So they bought those three machines for 500 bucks. Get out of here. So I have a an 8-inch Delta old school joiner. Jointer. Wow. And I bought... Is that, um, is that the floor model? Right? It goes yeah. up. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I I bought a disposal blade. I okay. don't know if you heard of them. Disposal blades. Best knives I ever... ever okay. It's like butter. Um, wow. So, yeah. How cool they is that? Some Holy shit, yeah. dude. Yeah, I made out. I made out like a bandit. I'd say, and you got them delivered. 500 bucks. Oh, my God. See, yeah. one guy's in a pinch, and then he, he just happened to be the right guy at the right time. And, and before he left, he said, I know you'll give it a good home. And Yeah, that's what's important. Yeah. Other than the table saw, those two machines are the most used. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't because use I my only, jointer a lot. I only buy rough lumber. Okay, I'm going to start, and that's why I bought this. I saved by buying all this poplar, which cost me like $110. It's like 50 board feet. I I ended up saving like $130 than what I would have paid for this amount of lumber from the big box store, already finished. But I don't feel safe using that small benchtop jointer, and I'm going to lose some of the lumber. So I'm just going to wait. I'll use this after I get the big jointer set up. I think I have a wall for it over there. My buddy's going to come and run the 220 for me. I'll get everything ready. And then in October, it doesn't ship till October. So by the fall, late fall, I should have it. And uh, you I'm already bought it? To that. No, I, I went on the Rockler site and it's the same price everywhere. And you can't okay. find it anywhere cheaper than $27.50. I've looked at every Woodcraft, Rockler, every Laguna dealer. Uh, I looked on Macbeth Hardwoods. Out in California, because, you know, coffee and sap and all those guys get their machines from them. But they don't have – their website's not very good about, as far as what they have and, and what their prices are. So I think I'd have to call somebody. Yeah. So I, I might re- – before I push the buy button on my phone, I want to talk to Mike and see if he's got the contact name for uh, Macbeth. Maybe oh, they even – 
Yeah, just to see if it's the same amount and it's the same time delay, it might be more for shipping because it's all the way on the West Coast. So right. I'll just, you know, I'll just order it from Rockler and pick it up when it comes in and save a hundred bucks on shipping. But yeah. so that's it, man. I uh, I've been doing these bottle openers, trying to clear off some shelf space while I get ready to do flags, and then I've been working a lot on my uh, software, designing a badge and a patch for the six foot flag I'm supposed to do. My daughter actually, who's going to school right now for graphic design. She took the uh, image of the badge and she cleaned it up and redid it in her. She's got all the Adobe suites and she saved it as an yeah, SVG yeah. You mentioned file. that last episode, yeah. Yeah, so I actually imported it last night into my Vetric VCarve software, and everything came over except the lettering around the badge. So now I it it didn't attach itself to her SVG file, so I have to ask her to redo it where the lettering mm-hmm. is in there. So. That's where I'm at. Slow progress. Bathroom's almost ready to be tiled. I already set a date for my brother to come and my brother-in-law to do that in September. So I've got some time to get that primed and painted. And just uh, I'm trying to have fun in the shop instead of being stressed by work. So this bottle opener thing I'm doing is just for my to clear my mind and just do something I want instead of something I have to do. Oh, I did the uh, I, oh I did that chief warrant officer two bottle opener. I did two of them. One of them with the with the red boxes in the middle and then the the one that looked just like the pin, and I sent it, the, the first one the woman didn't like, so I said, okay, I'll make another one, and it looks exactly like the pin that the Chief Warrant Officers 2 wear, the rank pin. And Only if you knew a Chief Warrant Officer. Yeah, a, a Chief Warrant Officer 2. Are you a, well, three? a 3? Yeah, yeah. So, but you were a 2 at one point, right? I was. Because I was. I'm going to, good, I'm going to send you one of these, because I don't know what else to do with it. So I send her the final pictures of the newest one, and she says, can you make the, the trim on the outside thinner? And I said, no, this is it. The, it has to be held down on the CNC machine when it's being engraved. So this is it. This is what I got for you. So she hasn't responded. That's on my Etsy page. If you want to go to my Etsy shop, you can see which one you want, and I'll just send it to you. What, um, what, what branch of service? Uh, Marines. So it might be different. Okay. Yeah, it is. There's it's red. Mine, right. Ours are blue. Oh, like uh, navy blue. Like yeah. Is it silver? Hold on one second. This, this is Only good for if the you podcast. were to have. A... Hold on, hold on. Just look at my logo. So I got this one. Okay. And then this is the one that actually looks more like, you know, the pin. I don't know how yeah. you guys wear it. So yeah, she wanted like these that. edges thinner, and I'm like, well, no, the clamps have to hold this thing down while it's being engraved. So yours is blue in there. I can repaint this. I'll repaint it blue. It's got the red cap, you know, bottle cap thing on it too. No, just advertise it to some other Marines. Well, it's on my it's it's on my Etsy page. Both of them are. But I'm a little mad. So if you're a Marine Corps Chief Warrant Officer, check out Midnight MM Midnight Makers Etsy page. I've got two a Chief Warrant Officer two bottle openers for you. Oh, and really quick, I sent you and Don and Brandon stickers. No idea you if you guys ever got them. I would have to check check the mail, see, see what came in. All right, because I didn't get a tracking number for them, and no one is. I've sent out 60 stickers, 20 to each of you guys, and haven't heard anything if you guys got them. So I'm a little freaking out. All right, I'll let you know. I'll check. All right, All right so... If uh, anybody would like to send a question to myself or Brandon or Nelson, 
You can DM me at MM Midnight Maker. You can DM the show at Handcuffs and Sawdust. You can DM Nelson at CWO Workshop. Or you can DM Brandon at Full House Woodworking. Or, or you can send an email to Handcuffs and Sawdust Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can send an audio question that we'll put on the air. I think that's everything that we got covered. Yeah, go Unless ahead. you want to forget about the shout out. I don't, yeah. You want to do a shout out? Yeah, I'll send out two. Um, okay, cool. Fellow Coasties. So the first one's going to be Alpha Whiskey Woodworks. Alpha Whiskey Woodworks. And then the other one's going to be Blackwell Woodworks. Blackwell uh, Woodworks. Yeah, so so Blackwell Woodworks, he's a, he's a full-time Leo down on okay. the border. Ooh. And he he used to be one of my guys in the Coast Guard. Oh, and, cool. Um, he picked up woodworking during COVID or shortly before COVID. Okay. And he makes amazing um, outdoor furniture. Wow. All right. I'll have to check him and out. Then, and then Alpha Whiskey is a fellow chief warrant officer. He's active duty. Is he a two or does, a three? <laughs> I believe he's a three, but I'm... I don't want to speak okay. out of terms. He might be a four. I'm not sure. Is that a CWO in the Coast Guard? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, amazing work. He does awesome. really good um, countertops and epoxy work. So I'll check him out. Check them out. Yeah, I will. I will actually do that as soon as we're done. I will follow, like, and follow that for sure. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Nelson again for filling in for Brandon, man. I really appreciate you stepping up, brother. I know it's late. We uh, greatly appreciate it. Remember, the new episodes of the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast are released every Wednesday. Please subscribe, like, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And I got an email stating that they're now on Apple. So I checked on my computer and the podcast, I have a Mac, and it showed that my episodes are live. So I just need someone out there that has an iPhone to go to podcast and see if our podcast is on Apple and then let me know. So thanks again for listening, everybody. Nelson, man, thanks for staying up uh, late at night. I really greatly appreciate it. And uh, Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm checking. Hold on. Okay. You're going to check for me? Yeah. All right. Because you have an iPhone. I take it. I do. All right. Nope. Nothing I'm, comes up. Come on, man. What's it? What? I get an email from Apple saying your podcast is live. I go on my Mac to the podcast app and I see it. And now you're telling me it's not true. No, Something is afoot. The only thing that came up was Handcuffs and Sage podcast. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that is. All right. Whatever. I'm out. Everybody, All thanks right. for listening. Have a safe night in the shop and on the streets. Peace. Have a good night, Mike. Thanks, brother.